the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 129 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Baseball365Pod. Myself at Justin Hughes 365, and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. And if you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook group, Baseball365. Over there, we have close to 3,000 members talking about baseball every day, every week, every month, all year long. It's 365 days a year, except every fourth year, then we're 366. Uh, Great minds in the group. Uh, talking about baseball, if it's baseball-related, fantasy baseball, dynasty leagues. There's all kinds of conversations going on there over there every day. And the best way you could support our show is if you went to iTunes and left us a five-star rating, maybe write a nice review for us. It's a good way to help us get our names out there. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. I'm excited for this one. This is our quarterly episode covering dynasty trades with us focusing on moves around the trade deadline. That is fantasy trade deadline. I made a post in the Baseball 365 Facebook group asking for people to turn in their, give us some trades that have happened in their leagues. And Andrew and I will share our thoughts on some of these trades. And those deals will probably spark some more trade discussions. Let's get Andrew on, and Andrew, I've got a question of the day, and it involves the Field of Dreams game that was played on Thursday night. Great game. We'll get to that in a second, but word was accidentally leaked that the Cubs are going to get this game next year. Andrew, if you had access to tickets, because the way they did this, for those that don't know, you got to be in Iowa, to, at least for this White Sox game, you had to live in Iowa, and then you entered a raffle and if you were drawn from this raffle, then you could purchase tickets. So let's say you have a chance to get tickets somehow. How much money would you be willing to spend to go watch the Cubs play in a cornfield? Uh, probably not enough, actually. <laughs> I, I have a feeling those tickets are going to be um, pretty ridiculous, actually. So I don't know. I'm curious. but You think I mean, it'll be more looking, or less? I, uh, I would say more, but since it's the second time as opposed to the first, it might be about the same. Yeah, that's the interesting. I think part just of this. generally, I mean, just generally speaking, I think the Cubs would get more attention mm-hmm. in that area. Agreed. But add on the fact that it's yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be close. Maybe I would if I had to bet on it, I would say a little bit more, but I'm not positive on that. So if you could get them for about what the cost was that they were this year, would would that be out of your range, would you say, that you'd spend? Uh, it's, it's pushing it, I think. I don't know. It's close. I, yeah, it's it's hard to say. It's just it's a lot. We have a buddy, Derek Ambrose, who's in our Rotomasters 2 league, as well as plenty of other leagues we play with. And he was one of the guys that we were with at the Cubs Cardinals games a month ago and he actually went. He's a Yankee fan. And it's man, I, I'm jealous. It looked like baseball heaven. I know that's what they I think that's what Kevin Costner called it. And it, it just looked like a lot of fun. I I yeah. would love to go, but good lord, that is quite a bit of money that they got resold for. 
yeah. How'd yeah, you, it was good. It was fun game. Yeah, how'd you enjoy it in general and the pregame festive? Let's start with that. The pregame festivities and everything leading up to because I think you watched a lot of the pregame stuff, didn't you? Yeah, I flipped it on. I just, you know, unique, um, kind of a unique thing and something we'd never seen before. And yeah, it was really cool. I mean, eight thousand fans. I think it was actually under eight thousand. And I didn't know it was that. Um, many. Yeah, I think I read 7,800-something. So, um, But, yeah, just the whole thing, it, it kind of surpassed my expectations. I thought it was different. I was like, oh, I'm going to want to watch this. But, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I didn't. And, obviously, obviously the game was incredible, too. I mean, it, just the way it played out. So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't turn it on until I was – Kevin Costner was actually walking on the field – or and then the players coming out through the corn and all that. I thought it was incredibly well done, all of it. If you're one of those that are, has the romanticism for the game, I mean, it pretty much touched all of the feels for that, yeah. it, like going off the movie. I thought they played it really well. And I know. I what do you think? What do you think about it being on a Thursday night? Uh, I didn't really think too much either way of it, really. I think Thursday night's a pretty good night for TV in general, if I recall. So I didn't hate it. Did you? I guess yeah. you had some thoughts about that. Well, I just I would have tried to have it on Sunday night, I think. But and it's you know there was it was the only game at the start time. There was a couple game or a few games later and some games before that overlapped a little bit. But I think I would have tried to make it. Sunday night standalone game when everybody really could watch, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. I just thought it could have been a little bit better, but yeah, I was just curious what you thought. Yeah. I, I could see that being a great deal, especially cause ESPN would have had it. And that might be part of it is Fox had had rights to that. And they definitely can't get it. Couldn't get it on a Sunday night for that reason. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the game was incredible. I did not watch the game i had softball games last night got home got my daughter to bed actually i saw somebody on in one of our chats mention that judge had hit a home run in the ninth so i quickly turned it on watched the replay of that and i was like uh it's still a one run game and two outs i'm not gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get my daughter to bed so i went to bed and i woke up the next morning and heard about all that happened so i turned on because i'd recorded the game and i turned it on and watched the entire ninth inning and Man, I I really wish I had been up and watching that live because that was some great drama. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, great game and everything, just everything about it. I mean, it was, it was um, nothing short of amazing. I mean, so. the, the drama when Stanton hit that one, it was like, oh, my. I mean, he knew right off the bat he had tagged it, and then Tim Anderson, same deal in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, so, yeah. Balls, balls were flying out. I think there was eight homers or something. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. And watch, seeing the judge one was a lot of fun because that thing just, I mean, it was fun to watch that ball just absolutely disappear in corn. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into the trades. We have a lot of trades to discuss here. We'll go, I'll probably go, you know, read off a lot of these. I don't know if we'll make it through all of them. But let's start off with talking about this time of year, Andrew. This is really close to the trade deadline in your Roto Masters leagues. The deadline is the 8th, so that's already come and gone. 
I think a lot of leagues have either the 15th or the 31st of August as their deadlines. So I don't. We're getting this out a few days before the 15th, hoping to give some people some thoughts or maybe trigger some ideas for your leagues. But when you're at this point of the season, if you're contending, what is your strategy with trading at this time of year? Well, I mean, it. Every situation's different, but I just think you have to kind of look at the standings, assess what you need, um, make sure you kind of have depth covered and um, just make the moves that you feel are right. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, just because you're contending, I wouldn't necessarily advise like making just any trade that makes you better for right this minute because it is only, what, another like six, seven weeks. And if it's... um, if it's not something you're going to like beyond that, it's just total short-term move. I mean, I'm not going to advise it in every instance, but yeah, I mean, it has a lot to do with, you know, how close are you to first? How much do you care about finishing in the money? If it only, if a trade like that only means you're going to get second or third, um, everybody's different with all of that. So, um, you know, you kind of just case by case on that, but, um, really just looking where you can move up in the standings, kind of addressing those needs and, making sure that you have your depth covered. I mean, once you get past the deadline, the only way to cover it is fab pickups or, you know, free agent pickups, whatever. So if you, you know, like just hypothetically, if you only have one shortstop on your roster and he's a stud and he gets hurt, you're going from him to a waivers guy and you cannot trade for it. So I kind of always have that in my mind as, you know, I'm approaching the deadline, just kind of making sure I'm comfortable with each spot if this guy or that guy gets hurt, stuff like that. I mean, it's not ideal if there's an injury, but you get what I'm saying. That's a real good point. I'm glad you brought that up about the depth part because it does really matter. Like you said, if an injury happens, you can't go trade for somebody right now. And especially if you're in a 15-team league or deeper, then you're – I mean, the waiver wire is not always going to have the rosiest replacement player. Right. You can't. Right. You so the multi-position guys are handy. The you know having couple you know couple bats in those weekly leagues that you just can plug and play around and look at what your roster eligibility is for all your players. And if you like, if you've got three corners and one of them's first and third, then you know you've pro- and then you've got one more sitting on the bench that's one or the other. You might be able to have have this one guy on the bench that can take three or four slots, and that matters. So just paying attention to that stuff and thinking if an injury happens to this guy, what am I doing? Stuff yeah. like that is very yeah. Important. I definitely I definitely like the multi eligible guys on the bench. That's pretty valuable and handy i think just to be able to fill in multiple spots with one guy if a need arises stuff like that yep i'll i traded away jonathan vr in our dynasty league and it's not on here because it's not it wasn't a big trade it was just for for a pick and some fab but you know he has three position eligibility but the problem is he's not playing consistently and that was something that was going through my head and I had picked up Kyle Farmer, who is also second, third, short eligible, and he's actually playing a lot and playing well. And I'm like, if I, 
seeing some guys were going to be coming back from the injured list, I'm like, I'm only going to be able to keep one of these. And Farmer seems to be the one I can count on right now to be more cons- consistently playing more. So I put VR out there and got what I could out of it just because I was thinking about just trying to cover positions. Stuff yeah. like that. That's you got to take keep that in mind. Um, what about if you're rebuilding right now? I mean, I think this is pretty obvious. You're trading anything that you don't expect long-term to be reliable that you can get something out of, right? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people make a mistake of uh, when they're, you know, let's just, I'm going to call for the, for this conversation, I'm going to call rebuilding just not winning it this year. Yeah. I mean, because some people, they may not be able to win it next year. Uh, They may not be able to win it for beyond that, but you kind of have to figure that out on your own. It, nobody's going to tell you and you just got to kind of got to read the situation. But, um, for that, I just, I feel like right now, especially at the, like right around the trade deadline, you shouldn't care at all, at all about the next six weeks, six to eight weeks. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, like if you have, a guy like let's just use uh, Dylan Floro for example, or um, well, I guess he's a decent example because looks like he's, he's a great example. The Miami closer, at least for now, and it's fluid, so he may not be. But that's kind of my point. If you picked up Dylan Floro and you're in ninth place, to me, it's trade him. It's just get whatever you can and move on. You know, it's not. And, you know, could he be a closer next year? Possibly. Um, If I had to bet on it, I'd bet no. And with most relievers, I'm going to bet no. You know, you're going to be wrong some. You're going to be right some. But how many guys are you actually comfortable projecting saves like that far into the future? Especially a guy like that that just popped up. Now, granted, you're not going to get a ton for him, but you should be able to get something from some contending team that needs saves. And he's not the best example probably because you're not going to get a lot for that guy. But at the same time, anybody that is hot that you don't think is going to be coveted as much next year or anybody that is uh, in a role like a closer role is a good one um, or just, overperforming or whatever it may be. Um, I mean, I would trade those guys. I would trade for injured players. Um, I always say it, but they're only injured until they're not, you know, it's, I mean, I'm not saying just trade for any injured player, but kind of assess the different ones that are hurt that may be undervalued, especially if a contending team has that player. I mean, I can tell you right now, if I'm in a a non-contending team and I look, and the second or third place or first place, whatever you want to call it, team lost a guy that means something to them. It doesn't have to be a superstar, but just a guy that was in their lineup consistently. I'm going after that guy. Because even if it's 90 cents on the dollar or 80 cents on the dollar, that's that's worth it. I mean, assuming you think he's going to be healthy next season. Yep. And I think you're going to get – I think you'll get in spots where – you know, that guy's like, yeah, you know, I could trade him. I mean, I was in a situation in RM2 where I was willing to move Jacob DeGrom. And I didn't end up moving him. Um, 
it was partially due to a lot of people just didn't want him right now because they're scared of the injury, which I get. But I was also willing to take less than I would have if, if he was pitching. You know, I mean, if he was pitching, I probably not trading him. I'm just writing it out, you know. So um, I think it's good to look into those situations and especially with, you know, where the other team is at in the standings. If you're rebuilding and they're up at the top and they have a guy that's not helping them right now, it, it's kind of good to target those guys, I think. Yeah, uh, they're. I'm was in a I'm in a similar situation in RM2 where I have Trout and Kershaw both, and I I didn't even discuss Kershaw with people because I honestly didn't think anybody would be that interested because he's getting up there in years. But Trout, on the other hand, I knew there would be interest in at least in a few people, and I did send an offer out on Sunday. I probably waited too late because the deadline was Sunday and I didn't get anything done in time. But I wanted to wait until as close to the deadline as we got just so I could see if Trout was going to return. And, I mean, there's a lot of questions on whether this guy's even going to come back. I mean, we're now three months removed from an injury. And it, when you're competing, if you can – I'm not saying I'm just going to trade him for anything to help me win now, but if I could get something – a first-round caliber dynasty asset in a deal, I'm probably going to do it even if it's something I wouldn't do in the off season. Yeah. Because yeah, definitely. Those those situations pop up like throughout the year, but I think you can even maybe exploit it a little more at the deadline when people are really trying to make a push to win. So, okay, let's talk about some trades from the group here. We got. I'm going to start off with the first one on this list, which was Tony Fusco. He sent a trade that happened in his league that he was involved in. It's a 20 team with head to head categories. And Tony is saying that he is in win-now mode, and he traded away Luis Robert, Alex Bregman, and his second-round pick, and he got back Freddie Freeman, Kyle Gibson, Michael Brantley, and Ian Kennedy. So seeing this, I'm thinking to myself, okay, 20-team league, and you have explained to me as much as anybody about how the depth in those leagues can be brutal. And, like, if you look at this in a 12- or 15-team league, I would definitely, like, be like, wow, that is absolutely terrible. It does make a little more sense when you're trying to fill your holes, especially at this time of season. But still, Robert and Bregman's a lot of value, and you get back, you're giving away two stars, and you're getting one back. What are your thoughts here, Andrew? Uh it's okay. I don't love it, but you know, if, if Freeman Gibson, Brantley and Kennedy, like fill multiple holes, you know, maybe, maybe needs, um, batting average or, I mean, head to head, it's a little different. So it's kind of hard to, I don't play in really any head to head leagues, but, um, I have, and they're the worst. (laughs) If, I mean, I have, I have too, but, um, it's just been a while. You know, if, if it fills what you need, then, it's all right. I, I don't love it, but it's all right. That's really all I that's really all I could say. I mean, I think Bregman and Freeman in a dynasty league is fairly close at least. Yeah, I can agree. Um I mean not where it's tilting it drastically either way, whatever you think. I mean 
I probably, yeah, it's close enough. So you're kind of looking at Robert in a second for the other three, which, I mean, it's not the greatest package for Luis Robert, but nope. if it takes him to a title, then that's fine. So that's the deal. Kind of where I'm at. Hopefully you win the league. And I, I, I will add that actually in a head to head league, I'd probably be less likely to make this deal for that reason. It just gets so random once you get to a head-to-head playoffs on a one-week scale that I probably wouldn't do it for that reason. I'd be—I think I'd be less aggressive at trying to fill holes in a head-to-head league. Personally, uh, maybe I—I I probably would have looked to have filled holes in different ways, just on on the cheaper and trying to see if I could get guys. So I don't think I like this one either, but. Again, if you win yourself a championship, Tony, then you have no reason to yeah. complain. That or yeah, winning winning cures a lot. So it goes. You can kind of forget about the, you know, any bad moves that you might have made. It it helps fix those pretty I'm, quick. I'll bring up the Cubs um, here as an example. I was just talking about this on Twitter. The Cubs traded away Glaber Torres to get Aroldis Chapman, and they won a World Series. And then Chapman walked after the offseason, so they got Chapman for three months. But you know what? I never hear a Cub fan complain about that no. trade. No. I, it does, and it, lit, it literally does not bother me at all, yep. even now. It just – no, I'll never, I'll never complain about it. That's a, 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 The reason I've thought about that recently is because Quintana was traded a year later, and they gave up Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, who were just – Part yeah, of that, that one that one hurts more. <laughs> yes, that one hurts more because Quintana didn't win any World Series for you. Right. So I think it just depends on if you win this in in the in the in this year. And if those pieces help you win, then great. If if it doesn't work out, that one probably is going to hurt in a year or two. Okay, let's move on to our next trade. Our good friend Rick Eimers gave us a deal here and it's a 12 team league where you keep 25 major league and 25 minor league players. It's a head to head points league, which that is a little out of both of our, well, you know, neither of us playing those. So, but anyways, pitching heavy, I think we can still discuss this one. He traded away Zach Gallen and Tariq Skubal away and he received Max Scherzer Volpe, Volpe, and Pages. Those are two prospects. Um, that Volpe. I don't even know how to say it. Am I saying it right? With Volpe. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Volpe. Anthony Volpe, and then Pages. I know is a Dodgers prospect who's been getting a lot of attention this year. So he's getting the win now piece, and Mad Max giving away two pitchers, and getting two pretty good. Or Volpe especially is emerging in prospect lists right now. So I kind of like this, but where are you at on this? Does he does he mean, not that it matters that much for the trade, but does he mean keep 25 MLB and 25 minors or if, just 25 total? I think it was 25 majors and 25 minors. That's how I interpreted okay. it. So like this. 50 yes, and then 12 teams, so 600 basically 600 players um i like it yeah yeah I, he did i would tr- real quick i would trade he did mention okay. 25 major league i'm going back to the post it's 25 of each okay okay um yeah i've never been a gallon guy really and i'm definitely not going to be now 
I mean, just with the year he's had, I mean, there's no reason for me to change that. So I would take Max and the prospects. Volpe's had a huge breakout season, one of the best, really one of the best seasons in the minors this year. And um, I don't even think that much about him in the deal. I mean, if it was Gallon and Scooble for Max, I probably would take it. You know, I just like there's ways that I'm not like going after Max Scherzer in dynasty leagues really, unless it's the time is right now and the price is right. Because I just, I do worry a little bit about just any far into the future at all with Max. But when gallon and Scoobles the price, I mean, I'm in two pitchers that I'm not in love with for a far, far better pitcher. I mean, I'll take that all day. And then you throw the two prospects in there. It's even nicer. So. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, who would you have rather have in a dynasty league, Gallon or Max? Max. I agree. You look at those ages, and some people may want to go Gallon, but he's got L- arm injuries going on. And Max. In yeah. Max's defense, another thing is, during this trade deadline, he was saying that um, he he was putting it out there that he wants an extension with whoever he if he was to accept a trade. That may, that tells me that this guy's not planning on hanging him up after this year or anything. I think he's going to be around for a few more years, or at least he's planning on it. And with pitchers, I mean, I'm not going to give too much thought beyond two or three years from now. So right. I'm the, I I would definitely rather have Max. So if you take Max over Gallon, then you're the other side's Volpe and Pages over and against Scooble. And yeah, I think I'd rather have this. I'd yeah, it's a good deal. Yeah, I like it. All right, let's see. We got some RM3 deals that got brought up in here, and one of them involved you with Sam Armstrong. And that is, Andrew, you're in first place in that league. At least you you still are in first, correct? Yeah. Yes. And uh, 20 teams on base percentage instead of batting average. And, Andrew, you traded away Gavin Lux. So I'll just get hand it over to you from here. Who was involved in that deal? Yeah, so I traded um, I traded Gavin Lux and I got Josh Hader. Uh, I think it was two hundred fab dollars and a fifth round pick. So I, you know, I didn't put a ton of stock into that. I mean, I basically looked at it like Lux for Hader. Um, if I would have preferred Lux, I don't think I would have done the deal, even with the fab and the pick in there. Uh, but yeah, I'm just not, um, I don't know. Like I'm, I know we've talked about it with Lux, but I, I don't think he's one of those guys, you know, you don't want to get in the, in the habit of trading away young bats really. I mean, when you can build a core around that, it just, you can build such a strong core. It's, it can get scary, but I just don't think Gavin Lux is going to burn me. Like, I mean, I think he could be all right. But one thing I had in mind the whole time when I made this deal was I think his value going into the winter time is going to be even lower than it is now because I don't think he's going to play once, like even when he comes back with, with Trey and, um, and Seager there. So, or at least it's going to be tough, you know, like he's going to probably play a little bit, but, I don't think he's going to play every day or anything. So, you know, maybe he does next year when Seager walks and, or if Seager walks, but I also am just not really impressed with him either. I mean, I'm kind of just wondering if this guy is, um, 
just a whatever type shortstop middle infielder that's you know kind of being overrated a little bit because of his age I mean that's been in the back of my head for a while with Lux and I have pretty good depth at middle infield in that league I was fortunate to hit on some guys and he was just kind of the guy it just made all the sense to do it Um, and again you know like with Hayter I do think Hayter's a difference maker I normally I'm not like going after relievers in a dynasty league and especially with young bats but I kind of just looked at it like I don't know if Lux is a difference maker I know Hayter is and I personally like to have elite relievers in dynasty leagues because they're really the only ones that have value and you just don't have to mess with the guys that constantly blow up and frustrate you and you want to drop them and all that stuff like that then you're blowing fab on bad relievers and i just i just don't like to play that game so i just did i it, i probably thought about it for three or four days it wasn't real easy because it was a young bat but yeah i ultimately did it i'm i was gonna bring that up if you didn't there at the end you really toiled over this one yeah. i actually was at the point where i was thinking you weren't gonna do it and you ended up pulling the trigger and you know, you and I were talking and about then, Lux. And then Hater got COVID right <laughs> after. Which I haven't even used it. I haven't even used him yet. Which going it was a week of and a half history in these RM leagues right ago. now, anybody who touches any of your teams seems to get COVID at the moment. <laughs> right. Yeah, lately <laughs> lately that's been going on. But uh you know, you and I were talking about Lux a week or two before that deal. I think I'm the one that put that thought in your head about Hater. Wasn't it me that brought that up first? We were talking about Lux, um, and then I was like, I, I, I would go, I would go I find think, out who's got Hater in your league because I just felt like they. Were I close. think I said something like, "I'm not trading Lux for a reliever unless it's Hater." I think I might have said that, and then it sparked the conversation, and then I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna look into this." I think that's what it was, something like that. Maybe it may have been. I know I was talking to you. I just don't remember who brought it up, but it probably doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter, but I definitely was more on I like I felt more confident about taking the hater side than you did when we were talking. You were still toiling a lot and I'm like, man, I would do it. And yeah. I I get I get not doing it, but I think I like the luck side and the young bats and all that stuff. And I'm the one that just a month or a little over a month ago when we were recording took Hater in the top 60 in a in that dynasty startup mock we did with Lucas. But the more I dug in when I did my dynasty ranks and everything else, I, I, I definitely lowered him in those ranks as I did a little more you digging. Mean, you, mean you, took, you mean you took Lux, right? I think you said Hater, but either yeah, way. Yeah, I meant to say, yeah, I yeah. took Lux, and I definitely lowered him in my dynasty ranks after looking into him a little more. And I think this is a guy that has a lot of value because he is a young bat and he's on the Dodgers. But I also worry that, Maybe he's the one that becomes expendable this offseason. And if he gets traded off the Dodgers, yeah, he's got more playing time. But I think part of his appeal is being on that in that lineup. I think I'd rather yeah. see him there than see him get traded. Yeah. Yeah, part of my, I guess, my reservation, too, with just the volatility of relievers, you know, it's like as great as Hater is, I mean, these re- relievers can – they can just go whenever, you know, it's like, I, they're so like on and off and he's great though. Like that's kind of why I did it. But, um, 
it, it just never really shocks me, you know, like I've been enrolled as Chapman fan for a long time and like he can't even command the ball right now, you know, now he's got elbow issues, but just, I just feel like that they're really, really volatile, especially when you get past the top few. Granted, he's in the top few, which is great, but even those guys, they're, they're not uh, immune to it. You know, it's just, it's a really volatile position, but I knew that when I made the deal. So you'll live with the result, I guess. Let's move on to another RM3 deal that involved you, and that would be where you traded away Alex Verdugo and Aaron Savali, two pretty good valuable players in a 20-team league, and you gained back Jesse Winker and Mitch Haneker, and $100 fab that does not matter in this. So, again, I just want to hear your thought process here. Because I, I know what your thought process was, but I think this matters a lot when we're talking about trade deadline deals. This was actually, this was probably about a month ago now, so it's been a little bit. But um, the main thing here was just I needed power. And, um, you know, obviously have a chance to win the league this year. Wasn't looking too far beyond that. And I didn't, I just didn't feel like, I'm giving up a ton for beyond this year either in this deal. Um, maybe a little bit, but not a ton. I mean, I got, I like Savali, but have had a lot of fortune with starting pitching this year. I've got a lot of guys pitching well, and he was sitting there on the IL and just not really contributing. And that's who the guy wanted, you know? So I mostly did it because of needing power. And I've made a lot of effort in that league to bolster my outfield because uh, this just in 20 team, five outfielder leagues, it's hard to fill outfield. And I have done a ton of work on making sure I have like just slowly improving my outfield, like picking one up here, picking up one there in a trade um, that league. We've got five outfield and two utility. So you can use a lot of outfielders and I've just been trying to pick up outfield where I can, because there's a lot of guys that are just starting junk in the outfield and I've got quite a bit of depth there now, which is nice. So, uh, part of the reason I did it, but mostly because I just, I need to power a little bit. Yes. Um, <laughs> I like Verdugo, by the way, I, I still like Verdugo. I didn't really want to trade him, but obviously I got to give up something to get something. So. Yeah, I think the comp you've made with Verdugo, which I think is a really good one, is a young Michael Brantley, and I and we know how much you like Michael Brantley. Don't you have Brantley on that team? I have Brantley in all four of my dynasty leagues. <laughs> so there you go. That tells you Love what, what you think of Michael Brantley, and you call Verdugo a young one, and it's just, yeah, you need you needed power, and you got it. Last one, and I don't think this one involved you, but Jack Flaherty was traded straight up for uh, Trent Grisham. I thought that was an interesting one. I probably it feels like it's a pretty good deal for both sides. I think I'd rather have Grisham, but it, it's not it's not too far out of the realm of like Flaherty. I think is a higher ranked pitcher than Grisham is outfielder, so it's it's not a bad deal there. You have any thoughts on that one? Not really. I think it's. I thought it was fair. Um, the team that got Flaherty's in second needed a pitching boost. You know, I get it. Like anytime, 
with a trade like this, whatever side you like, I mean, I probably lean the Grisham side slightly, but pitching's hard to get. 20-team league, if you need pitching, I think it's fine. And that guy who got Flaherty is very happy here on Friday night because Jack Flaherty in his first start back after being gone for two months, six shutout innings against the Royals. So welcome back, Jack. And I'm sure the new owner is very happy tonight. Okay, yeah, definitely. Let's move on to Jared Paroli, who sent two trades. Uh, these are both from the same league, which is a 12-team weekly head-to-head five-by-five categories. 27-player full keeper here. And these are all major league pieces. He traded away Jose Abreu, Jazz Chisholm, and Kevin Biggio. And he received Matt Olson and the surging Robbie Ray. This is a very interesting deal here. He got the younger bat who's playing better between Abreu and Olsen, but he also had to give up Jazz Chisholm and Biggio in there, and he also got Robbie Ray. I mean, what are your thoughts here on this one? Uh, I like it. I like the Olsen and Ray set, I think. I mean, I don't know. I just, with um, with Abreu... I just kind of like getting off of him right now. I just older and down year a little bit or from last year, definitely. And I'm just not, uh, I don't know, not crazy about him going forward. I like jazz Biggio. never really been too into, but like with Olsen and Ray, it's like, they're just playing so good. I that they are. like Ol- Olsen's just hitting for a ton of power. I mean, he's clearly past Abreu in dynasty value at this point. And I mean, Ray's pitching like an ace, you know, he's got a chance to win the Cy Young and like, whatever you think of that, I mean, will it regress some next year? Sure. But I mean, I'm assuming he's probably competing in this league and is wanting to win. And I mean, I just think it's a pretty damn good trade if you're wanting to win. And yeah, I like it. You know, what's interesting when you look at what Olsen's done and I really hadn't paid close attention i don't have a share anywhere of him but when i look at his stats right now what what i thought of immediately my first reaction is this is that cody bellinger breakout season that bellinger had i mean uh, uh, there's a lot of similarities here in terms of bellinger was coming off of 25 30 percent strikeout rates throughout his career and then all of a sudden he dropped it down to like 16 percent if i recall and that's exactly what we're seeing out of Olsen this year and the home runs are yeah. still there batting, but that's improved, helped him improve the batting average department on bases there. Yeah. Wow. What a heck of a season he's had. I knew he had had a big year, but I don't think I knew the depth of it until right now as I'm looking at it. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. A ton of power. And they're both just having huge years, him and Ray. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ray has definitely pitched well. He's def- He's been attacking the zone a lot more this year. That's what I hear the pitcher list guys talking about with him in terms of him just the going out there and throwing it in the heart of the plate as compared to nibbling. And, yeah, he's had a heck of a year. Okay, um, moving on to the next one, same league, same guy, Jared. Uh, he sent uh, Casey Mize, Randy Arozarena, and Fran Mill Reyes away, and he received – Starling Marte and Spencer Torkelson. Another fascinating deal here. Starling Marte is one of the most unique players in fantasy baseball right now. I, I you were just sharing a stat. I think he's second in the league 
in steals since June. No, he's leading the league since June, the beginning of June in steals, right? Uh, I forget if it was June or July, but yeah. I mean, he's been leading. He's leading probably both, actually. I I don't know, but yeah. He returned in the beginning of June, so I'm guessing it was a June stat. Cause, okay. And he took off immediately. I mean, the guy's got 31 steals and 76 games played. And th- that's coming off of hitting t- or having 10 and 61 last year in the shortened season, 25 and 132 the previous year running like crazy. And I mean, I traded for him in one dynasty league this off season. And I was just hoping to get 20 or 25 and here he's got 31 in 76 games. Yeah, I know it's, it's been just bonkers with Marte with the steals this year. So anyway, we got Marte and then he's got the young guy in Torkelson, which kind of helps as, you know, Starling Marte, you don't expect him to have near the value in the next couple of years, but he gave away Mize, Rosarena, and Franmil. What were your thoughts on this one? Um, I think it's, I think it's pretty fair. I, it's a little weird to me because I don't know what's trying to be accomplished in this trade, but like, <laughs> If I'm trading for Marte, I'm going for it like now. And um, Torkelson doesn't accomplish that. And then you're giving up guys that are helping for now. So it's just kind of a weird combination of, of players, I feel like. I mean, I don't hate it or, or love it either way. I think it's, I think value-wise it's fair. I mean, Rosarena, Marte, if we're going to call them even or close to even – then it's Franmil and Mize for Torkelson, which I think is close. Uh, you know, it's about right. I, not too far off either way. I mean, I, I think it's fair value-wise, but I just don't really get, um, you know, like if you're trading for Mize and Torkelson or uh, Marte and Franmil or something, it would just make a little more sense to me. But it's kind of seems like I'm trading for a guy to go all in and then trading for a prospect too, which uh, and a big name, a big name prospect, not a, a throw in, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's strange. I have a theory here. It is a 12 team league and it's 27 keepers. Maybe Jared here. This, this is where it could make sense for me. He's got a really strong team. He needs speed. So that's the Marte part, but his roster is really full. That's why he's trading away three and getting two. To where he doesn't, he can't even plug all these guys in, and maybe yeah. maybe he's like, let me cash a couple of these guys in, get the one piece I need now, and able be able to stash Torkelson and sit on him until I can and have him in a year or two, whenever I'm, when I, you know, and be able to use him then. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I would I would take the Torkelson side. Yeah, I agree. But- I have a lot of faith in Torkelson being really good. So if you don't, then you probably take the other side. But, um, yeah, I just I think that guy's a stud for a long time. So, All right, let's move on. And I'm going to uh, move down to Brian Jennerich, who sent us a trade. And I know who was on the other side of this trade because I was discussing this trade with, I think, both sides. Both of them asked my thoughts on this trade right before they did it. I, I, if I recall right, um, he once this is a ten team league with fifteen player keep forever. Well, you got it. You got to answer it then. 
Okay. My, my I, <laughs> which side you like? I will definitely tell because I told I'll let both you, of them. I'll let you. I'll let you read it off. One side sent Corbin Burns, and the other side sent Kershaw and Springer. And again, ten teams, fifteen player keep forever. And this trend was made about a month ago, and honestly, I felt a little different. I feel a little better about Burns now than I did a month ago, but at the time, and I still look. Um, this was pre-Kershaw injury too, though, and that actually might swing this a little more, because at the time I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this trade happened a month ago, and at that time Kershaw had not gone on the injured list, and Burns was kind of it was not dominating as well after the rule changes and seemed like the sticky stuff. Or he, I'm guessing he was using the spider tack with how big of a drop off he saw, and I'm like I don't know if Burns is this elite guy, and then. Springer, I just think, is a really good bat, Kershaw, and it's a 10-team league with a 15-player keep forever. And the shallower the league, the less so I care about 100, ages. 150 kept. Yep, exactly. To where I don't put as much interest in youth and also young pitching. We we know it's just not as – it's not you're not as set as uh, you would be if you had a young bat. You can't just set it and be like, all right, I got this guy for the next 10 years. You just never know with arms. So at that time, I definitely told both sides I preferred the burn or the Kershaw-Springer side. And my gosh, Springer's gone absolutely crazy since he returned from the injured list. And what was that, a month ago he returned? And he finally started playing, or has uh, it been longer? Maybe, I think it's been a little more than that. But somewhere in there, yeah, I'm not positive. I can't remember. But now today we're looking at this deal, and if that deal was being made right now, Kershaw is out with an elbow injury, and I don't know if we're going to get much at all out of him the rest of this year. And Burns is out there dominating, but I still think I'm taking the Kershaw-Springer side. I'm not going to give the young pitcher, even though he's pitching at an elite level, I think I'd rather have Kershaw and Springer just because Springer is such a good bat. And then Kershaw, when healthy, is incredibly good. Now, it's a little more risky because it could ha- a month from now we could find out Kershaw needs to have Tommy John surgery. Wouldn't shock me. But I think I'm still taking Kershaw and Springer here. What are your thoughts? Uh, I would take Burns for the rest of this year. I would take that side. And beyond that, I think it's really close. I, I think one thing you have to factor in is um, 10 teams, 15 keep forever, 150 kept. Like what's the, you know, if the replacement level for keepers is 151, the closer you get to 151 or 150, whatever, the less value, you know, like those guys mm-hmm. in say the 90 or hundred to one fifty range, they're probably not really valuable as keepers, you know, as you kind of, it's like replacement level, you know, in terms of keepers, I'm just saying that, um, I don't know how far above that line I would have Kershaw and Springer. I mean, I would definitely have them above that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't put it past like next year for it to be the Kershaw and Springer side. I think it's pretty fair overall. But short term, you have to take Burns. I mean, yes. Uh, well, 
His prayer's playing out of his no, mind. No, yeah, I don't care. You don't you have care. to take burns. Yeah. Yeah, right now. I mean, he's just what he's doing is just absolutely stupid. I mean, yeah. There's no doubt. And I love Springer. I've got him on a couple teams, but like rest of season, like burns all day. Yeah. I just I guess not even you are right on yeah. that. But I'm yeah. I think long term I'm still taking the Springer side. Yeah, I I don't disagree like beyond this year. I mean, cuz you get it's two bites at the apple too. I'd be curious to know, you know, what keeper jumps into the mix. You know, you kind of have to think about that too. Like what I'm keeping Burns and so-and-so instead of Kershaw and Springer. Like who is that name? I'd be curious to know that, but. Yep. I might be able to ask Brian and, and find out. Cause I, I don't know. I'm not certain if he listens I, or not. I know his buddy who was on the other end of the deal listens. I think it's just like those kind of things you have to factor that in when you're talking about like a certain number of keepers and stuff. So, all right, we'll move on to Adam Vega, who gave us a few trades. He's in a 16 team league. He's in fourth place and on the rise. And then he lost Acuna. What was that? About four or six weeks ago. And he traded Acuna away in this league as he's trying to get into the money and maybe try to win it. And he gave, he gave up Acuna, Andrew Kittredge, Robert Poisson, and J.J. Blade. So basically Acuna and some scraps here. And he got back Bo Bichette, Alec Manoa, Emmanuel Classe, and Robert Hassel. So definitely got the, like, when you take Acuna and Bichette and move that out of it, he definitely got better on the other side. Is that enough to be... Make up the difference between Bichette and Acuna for you? Yeah, I think so. Especially, like you say, in fourth place and on the rise. I mean, if he can win, I definitely think it's worth it. I mean, Manoa's a stud. Um, Class A is getting saves and has been really good. And Hassel's an elite prospect at this point. So I think that's more than enough to cover the difference between Bo and Acuna, especially when you factor in that he could win. I mean, if you're not, if you're nowhere near contending or something, then maybe you have a different thought process, but I still wouldn't mind it at that point. I, I think it's a lot of young talent. I mean, Blade is just kind of, I mean, he's not having a very good year. Like, I think he's almost 24 and double mm-hmm. a, you know, it's just, it's rough. And so, yeah, I mean, the way Manoa is going and hassle, I think that right there, not, even without Classe is more than enough to make up that difference. And Classe has been pitching pretty well. And another part of this, James Karinchak has been horrible. Have you really paid attention to what he's been doing? I haven't. I haven't really noticed, no. I saw I knew he had been struggling and I saw somebody on Twitter tonight say something along the lines of Karinchak's not the same guy without sticky stuff. And I'm right now looking at his past 30 days. I did see I did see a couple bad outings, but I haven't I haven't known it was like an ongoing thing, really. If you pull up his fan tra- graphs page or fan tracks page, I'm just now looking at his past 30 days: 8.74 ERA, 1.67 WHIP, 11 innings, six strikeouts, seven walks. Not good. And, you know, sometimes you in these small samples, you could be like one bad outing could make all of that look terrible. But 
when you look at like past seven days, six and a, six, seven, five ERA, previous seven days, 19.29 ERA, previous seven days, nine ERA, past 14 days, 13 ERA, past 30 days, yeah. 8.7. All ugly. So that, I mean, I'm just, I'm going a little long here on that. I've um, noticed, I've noticed they've been going to class A more in the ninth. I do know that. Yeah. So I just, yeah, class A could be getting pretty secure with that role right now. And yes, a bad month by class A and um, could flip it right back. But still, I think, I think Adam, you did great in that deal. I think, I yeah. think even with a healthy Acuna, you could make an argument for the other side. I, yeah, I th- yeah, I do too. So good, good job. And he br- mentioned another trade that I thought would be a good, interesting trigger conversation that you've been wanting to get into here. He gave up Jonathan India and he got Logan Gilbert. And I don't know when this trade was made, but Andrew, I know you've got some pretty strong thoughts that we have not talked about about Jonathan India here. I thought I'd just cue this up for you to talk about India. Yeah, just I really like what I'm seeing. I mean, um, just when you've got a guy like that, first of all, just to address the trade, I wouldn't have done it. I mean, I, I prefer India to Gilbert. I do like Gilbert, though. I think he's a really good pitcher. Um, I just prefer the bat. But, you know, it's just with India, he's 24. The on-base skills are just off the charts. I mean, he's walking a ton, hitting for high average, which is just – buoyed his obp i, I want to say it's right around 400 um and you know the power and the speed it hasn't like completely shown up yet i want to say he's at like 14 homers and eight steals so he might end the year around 18 to 20 and like 12 to 15 steals or something but um i really like india just everything that's been going on with the um Obviously, his approach, hitting at the top of the lineup, the job is secure. Now he's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. And when you have that kind of that play discipline to, as like the groundwork for everything else, I just feel like that, you know, in the next year or two, like thinking a lot about next year, I'm, I'm curious to see where he goes. But I feel like that the power could even spike a little bit more. And with him being on base, running, he could run a little bit more. Um yeah, I, I really like India. Like, there's the list of guys that I would be moving him for is is getting shorter and shorter. There's still plenty of them, but um, I just can't. I can't believe how good he's playing. Like, it's just. I feel like every time I look down, so I've got him at arm three, and I took him pretty high in the startup, and it looks rough for a couple of years. But I, I feel like every time I look down, it's like two hits and a walk, hit and two walks. I mean, just getting on base at an absurd clip and hitting ahead of Winker and Castellanos, and it's just been really good. So, I love India. So that's the same league where you traded Gavin Lux. Yes. Would you? And obviously, I think the perceived value with uh, is Lux over India by the majority. But would you rather have India over him straight up? Yeah, I'd take India over Lux in a dynasty league. I think I agree with you there. 281 batting average with a 400 on base. That's that's just something you don't see. I I really I liked India a few years ago whenever his stock was dropping when in the minor leagues. You know he was the number one overall first year player draft guy. The year the year he was in first year player drafts. I think that was 2018. Yeah, 
And uh, his, yeah. And his stock right, fell. So. I mean, I remember him being in the 200s on prospect lists. And I was still into him at that point. I, as I was looking, I was like, man, I think he should be higher than this. People didn't think the power was there. And I think that's still debatable. But if he can get even to 15 to 20 home runs and get 10, 15 steals and you have that on-base ability, I mean, actually, you know who that is? That's Adam Eaton. Prime Adam Eaton. Well, that doesn't sound too great right now. but yeah. No, yeah, but Adam Eaton was a guy who was – you and I both thought he was consistently underrated year after year. I just – I just, you know, it's just kind of crazy to me, you know, 400 OBP and – Going into this year, I mean, Jonathan India was close to nothing. Like, you know, it's just, um, the you know, there's young guys that break out with, like, different parts of their game. It's like, oh, he's got a bunch of speed or, you know, he just happens to be. But, like, he's not a very good player because he just happens to be getting at bats on a bad team and is running a lot or something. Or, or there's all kinds of guys that have low OBPs that just bop homers or whatever. But I just feel like with India, there's no – real weakness and if everything can just gradually rise a little bit and i think it can with those obp skills i just i think he can get even better um but i will say though i do like logan gilbert too i'm glad you said that i'm not gonna with that i'm not gonna like roast this trade or anything like that i do think logan gilbert's really good i've got him on i actually think i might have him on more teams than i have india so um I like him too. I just in this instance, I I prefer the bat, but you could probably argue it. Yeah, Gilbert's having a very solid rookie season after really scuffling, and he's not been great this last month. But overall, the overall package, I'm I'm intrigued by him long term. I think he's yeah. got a bright future. Um, moving on, one more trade from Adam, and he traded away. I don't even want to go long on this, but he traded away Emerson Hancock and. Uh, Florial, the prospect outfielder. I, I, I'm blanking on his first name right off Est- the bat. Esteban, Est- yes. Esteban, sorry. And he got Lance McCullers. Yes. Anytime you can trade a prospect pitcher who's ranked pretty well and you can get yourself a pitcher who's not like who has upside pitching really well right now, you make that deal. Yep. So good job there. Okay. Uh, Lucas Beery gave us a trade i think this was in our rm2 league correct this first yep. one here he, yeah it was he gave up joe adele and he received randy Arozarena, and he did this with a an, a guy who is well, i'm not gonna mention his name because it wasn't in here who is a well-known angels fan so he got he gave up joe adele the young prospect who has played pretty well i think since coming up hasn't he you have him so you might yeah, be not- falling closer not too bad. He hasn't done anything crazy, but he's not he's not like striking out at ridiculous clips or anything that's too alarming, at least not yet. It's pretty pretty small sample still. Yeah, still striking out 27% in the 9 games. So that's not as low as I thought it was. I think when I looked last it was lower than that. But he's hitting 294, got a stolen base in there. And then we got Randy Arozarena, who you've talked about saying you like him for this next year or two, but you probably don't like him much longer than that. So what, is, what are your thoughts on this one then? Uh, Arozarena. Yeah. Pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. 
I think I. I mean, it, it's most. It's just mostly because you know. Could Joe Adele be good? Yes. I mean, there's definitely a world where he's good. There's probably a world where he's an all-star level player. Um, there's definitely, at least to me, a world where he's a bust. And I just think when there's that much variance, you just take the guy that's already doing it. Yep. And um, like, I don't think, I, I don't think Joe Adele's ceiling is like really that much higher than Randy Rosarena's. He is younger, and I don't love Rosarena like beyond the next year or two, like long into the future. I, I can see there being a point where I'm like, oh yeah, it's easily Adele. Like I could see that in a couple of years, but I'm just not there yet. I mean, he's got a lot to prove at the major league level. Can he do it? Yes. Is it a lock? No. What's um, the age difference between them two? Do you know without looking? Um, I think Adele is 22, and I would guess Rosarena is like 27, 26. He's 26. 26 20. So we're only yeah. talking four years in age difference. Yeah. 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 And that's not even so much that for me as, as much as it is like I'm not really comfortable with knowing what – I mean I don't feel like I know what either one of these guys is going to be in two years. I don't know. But one of so them's doing it. I, right, exactly. One of them's good right now, and one's just getting his feet wet and might be good or might not be. I, there's a lot left to prove with Adele, so I would definitely take a Rosarena. Agreed. And then Lucas shared one more. Uh, this is a different league. It's his 20-team on-base percentage and slug 6x6 six six deep dynasty league. He traded away Bobby Witt, Brian Anderson, Daz Cameron. So main piece here is Brian, Bobby Witt, and he got back Brian Hayes, Brandon Nemo, Brew Baker, and Josh Naylor. So I think a little more depth he got back, but he gave away the best piece in this deal in Bobby Witt, or the most Bobby Witt, the most valuable piece. I think I like the side he gave up better in Witt and Anderson personally. Where are you at on this one? Yeah, I think it's – I mean, Witt's the best piece in the trade. Um, yeah, it's hard not to like that side. I know – I'm pretty sure this is the league that he's in first, though. Is he in so, first place? I think. I, I don't know if it's the same league, so Lucas help us out on that. But um, I know there's a league, and I think it's this – I think it's 20-team, like these settings, where he's – firmly in the running so if that's the case you can defend it more and i mean he's lucas is a smart guy so i don't think it's there's probably some things that we don't know here yeah we didn't but, get much league context here and that yeah matter unfortunately brubaker and the i has been pretty rough the last couple of weeks if i recall i don't yeah he is so the probably is making this trade hurt if that's the case because I, I'm not sure. How, I mean, how's Cabri I know you've got Cabrian Hayes somewhere, don't you? Do you have some shares anywhere? Um, I think just one redraft league where I picked him up when he was hurt. I'm looking. He's at, just been. He's just been okay. Yeah, that's what special. I'm seeing as I'm looking. Is it just looks like it's okay production, not great. I think. Yeah. Lucas, I hope you're in first, and those guys are helping you win because I think that league that one could hurt in a year or two. I mean. Cabrian Hayes is a young lad who's going to be around a while, and maybe he'll 
take off, but I just really like Bobby Witt. I think that I'm excited about that guy, and I just yeah, he's th- hard not to be excited about. Yes, 24 home runs in 80 games in the minor leagues as a what is he 19? No, he's 21 now, so he's older than I thought. But I I just think that that guy's going to be a lot of fun to watch starting next year, and that that might be the next superstar. Yeah, very possible. Okay, um, let's see. Where are we at on time before I make a decision here? We're actually at an hour. We're getting close to, so I think I think I'm gonna. We can do it. We can do a couple more. You want one? I'm, we're gonna do one more, and I'm gonna go to the very last one that Matt Dudek put in here. Uh, he traded away Bellinger and Jazz for Giolito and Benatendi. This is a 12-team long-term keeper with 15 major league keepers and three taxi squad guys. And I wanted to do this one specifically because I know you've long been the low man on Bellinger since he made it to the top five, I think, last year, two years ago. Is this a sell uh, to, selling too low for you? Yes. <laughs> I, I just wanted to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too low. Okay, I actually got one. Um, I, I mean, got... if if G if Giolito was having some kind of elite knockout season, it'd be a little harder, like to say that. But yeah, I mean, I I would definitely prefer Bellinger and Jazz here. And I kind of and I kind of like Ben Intendi. I feel like more than most people do, as far as. Like I think there's probably a point in the next couple of years where Benintendi turns it around. I, he's actually been better this year when he's sure. been on the field, um, and I still I like him a little bit moving forward more than most. But I also don't think he matters that much in, in this trade. I mean, like the other names are just bigger, especially Bellinger and Giolito. So, uh, yeah, if it's Bellinger and Giolito, it's you know, I'm taking Bellinger, like in a in a dynasty league. So, I definitely, you know, it's not been the best year for Bellinger, but um, I think it would be one of those where I was, I'd have to be in contention, needing the pitcher, and uh, yeah, even then, I don't know. I just think I would have tried to find a different way to do it, but yeah, Bellinger and Jazz for me. Yeah, agreed. I mean, and. Bellinger for the last few days is really maybe week or two has really seemed to be getting hot and he was he's saying that his shoulders finally starting to feel pretty good the last couple weeks I I've I've held my ground a little quite a bit with Bellinger I don't have him as a first round dynasty asset in my rankings a month ago but I've 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 been seeing people asking the question: Is he still a top fifty dynasty guy? And a lot of people were saying no. And I I still voted yes on this tweet. I think Eric Cross was asking that on Twitter a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, man, I can't get off. I can't go this far off where some of these people have gone. And maybe yeah. this trade was made whenever he was like a couple weeks ago. Whenever, gosh, it it looked bleak. I mean, he's been. Is he still in the eight hole hitting for them? I think he's been hitting seventh a lot. Uh, he may have moved up the last couple of days. I'm not sure, but I know he was hitting seventh the other day. Yeah. So, so. but yeah, I, I, and I'm not a big jazz guy. I think jazz is a guy I would sell 
if I was in the Dynasty League. But I'm still I'm trying to make a deal with Jazz and getting pieces as compared to trading Bellinger away personally. I just think it's I just think it's kind of scary to trade a guy like Bellinger for Giolito. I mean, unless you just think that Bellinger is on a you know, just totally going south and Giolito's this guy that's better than what he's been this year. Because even if you think Bellinger's dropping off, I mean, Giolito hasn't had the greatest season either. So I don't yeah, think when it's I don't think I've talked about Giolito on the podcast like I've talked about we haven't discussed this here. You've heard my theory on Giolito, but I don't think we've discussed it on here, yeah. right? Yeah, the first inning thing. <clears throat> yes. Um, paying attention to Giolito, really ever since the rule change took place, it's I can tell watching a Giolito first inning whether he's got it or he doesn't, or at least I feel this way. And so far I've been right every time going up till now to where he's either got it or he doesn't. And I think it's just whether how he's feeling with his grip on that ball and if the pitch is like if he's able to get his change in slider and throw one of the two because if he doesn't he's done because he's uh, you'll you'll see in the first inning he's getting a lot of swings and misses that means he's got it and he's going to have a good game and if he's laboring and he can't put anybody away whether a run scores or not you can just tell by long at bats against him and he can't put anybody away then you're probably going to see an ugly game from him and that's been happening all the the last two months. I can I've seen the first inning, and I've I've been I've been like, uh oh, I don't want to look at this anymore. Just wake me up tomorrow and let me see how ugly it got. <laughs> or like this this most recent start, it's a oh he's he's got it tonight, and sure enough, yeah, he was good in the first inning and good the whole game. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm waiting to be wrong, but I have not been wrong on one of these for the last two months, and. Maybe maybe there will be changes with the ball or changes with the rules and everything else this offseason. Who knows? But right now, Giolito is inconsistent is the word for him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like if you're getting off like if you're getting off of Bellinger too or you're down on him or whatever, um like it just I wouldn't I just wouldn't want to trade him for a pitcher like that that's been inconsistent you know it's i'm either trading for a pitcher that is consistent or has been consistent and is uh i feel really confident is going to lead me to a championship or i don't know i'm just i'm probably trading him for bat like i could see trading him for like a couple bats i really liked or something like that but this just seems kind of risky to me i feel like bellinger bouncing back is or like you know if you want to move bellinger wait till he gets on a heater. I mean, he's actually been really hot the last couple of weeks. I don't know when this trade was made, but um, if you're, if you decide you're out on a guy with name value, like Cody Bellinger, let him get hot and then trade him. Like, that's kind of how I, I feel about it. I just feel like you can maximize your return that way. Yeah, I agree. That was, but you also have to, you also have to know that there's going to be something inside you that says, Oh no, like you have to make that decision before that happens and know, because there's probably a part in everyone that's going to be like, oh, is now I want to keep him Mm -hmm. or, you know, but 
once you've made that call, I just feel like you got to stick with it. Let him get hot. I mean, most of these guys at some point are going to get hot and then go from there. But you know who that guy was for me, or at least I don't have him in a dynasty, but I had this theory and I discussed it here. I remember was when we were talking about Francisco Lindor early in the season. I think we we were having a panicometer show or something like that, and Lindor has just been struggling. It was ugly at that time. And I said, I expect him to get hot at some point in the second half, and then that's when I would move him in a dynasty league. And he's been injured, yeah. so it's not been showing, but he was playing really well before he got hurt. And I think he's going to be back in the next couple of weeks, and he may, if he finishes strong, that's a guy I don't care. I would still move him this offseason if I, if, I, if I could find the – closer to beginning a season value than than you know where yeah i think that one's i think that one's going to be tricky because i think the injury might hurt that chance yeah 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 and i think that some people have soured on him too so yep so anyway that wraps it up that gives us a lot of trade talk here and i hope you guys have all are in these leagues that you're competing or these are giving you some ideas of maybe what you need to be doing here because yeah, this is the time where you got to be making moves. Almost everybody who's competing needs to be doing something to fill holes or get yourself ready before you get past this deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I, and even if you're not, I mean, I think it's important to take a look, you know, even if you're, sitting near the bottom or the middle and um, try and find guys that may be undervalued right now or kind of like we said at the top, but guys that um, are owned by the top teams in the league that aren't helping them now. Um, I think if you go after those guys, you might be able to get them just a little bit cheaper than you normally would. And if you wait, till the off season that that opportunity goes away because they're not, they don't feel any pressure to try and win the league or they're not making a push, you know? So going after those guys, injured guys or minor leaguers, whatever you want. But I think that that can help a lot. One other little thing to pay attention to, this wouldn't apply for any of your dynasty leagues, Andrew, but I'm in a daily league within an innings limit. There's 1,500 innings for the entire season, and at this point I'm pacing to be about 150 over on the innings, which I think at the end of the year those kind of – I've done this before and I've thought I was pacing to be right at 1,500, and next thing I know the season ends and I'm at 1,450. So in my head I've been trying to pace for over so I don't make that mistake again. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I've got extra innings and extra pitchers, so I've put some out on the block just seeing if anybody wants to buy one of them. I don't know if the trade's going to happen before a deadline hits in that league, but just pay attention to your league settings. See what you're, see where you're long on. If, like another little thing, if you're way up in steals and you need p- home runs and stuff like that, pay attention to your categories. Get what you need to fill the categories also that you need to get you where. Because having 30 more steals in second place and then 15 more, like, but 15 more home runs would have moved you up four slots. You need to be trading pitching. Be thinking about that stuff too. We didn't bring that up enough, I think, in here. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Anything else you want to add to this before we kind of close up this whole trading episode? No, I I think that pretty much covers it. I can't think of anything else. You? 
Oh, um, get, you know, again, if you're not competing, get anything you can, even if they're draft picks. Even if they're things that, like draft picks that you may not even need, you can always try trading those in the offseason and getting something. Just get something out of that is an asset that you may be able to get more value of later if it's an asset that you don't right. think will be there for you. Yeah, like if you're trading Dylan Floro for a pick, Dylan Floro could have no value in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And the pick will have value till February and just buys you more time, you know, and and then you can keep the pick or move the pick. But, you know, I just always got you always got to kind of think of things like that. If if one of your assets is going to evaporate quickly or you think there's a chance that it could. Why not just get out in front of that before it does as opposed to, you know, what what good is Dylan Floro going to do if you're in ninth or tenth place and he's just sitting there and you're you're susceptible then to him losing the job from pitching bad or um, losing the job because he gets hurt or and then the entire offseason. I mean, yeah, I, I guess the argument is he could be the closer next year, but they could also trade for sign a million guys. So um, there's no guarantees. I would just guys like that. You just kind of want to move on, move on. I think if you're not competing and if you are competing, my last bit, I'm fully, I'm fully prepared now for Dylan Florida to lead the league in saves next year. <laughs> like that's, I've got it all set up, you know, but <laughs> I've actually got him in a couple leagues, so I wouldn't hate it. My final piece, if you're competing and you're making deals and you're thinking about maybe you've got an injury or something and you're trading for another shortstop, don't worry about the what am I going to do next year? I might have too many shortstops. you got an entire offseason to worry about stuff like that or having too many pitchers or whatever whatever else. You've got an offseason to worry about that. If you're competing now, worry about what helps you now in terms of positions and worry about the rest later. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. Well, I think we gave you a lot of trade talk. I hope you all enjoyed it. Andrew, we got we got the stretch run here. Or what do we got now? Seven weeks left? Six weeks? Something like that? How many weeks left? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's about six. Yeah, like six plus. I think, at, I think Sunday it's four. Yeah, I think six weeks Sunday is the last – Last day. So the sprint is here in these. So yeah, we're about three. We're about three quarters of the way. We got about a quarter left. It's so. a sprint. You and I still got our sprint going on in arm two. Um, you're still in first in arm one and arm three, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So hanging in there. As I said before, I hope you finish first in two of the three leagues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've had a, you've had a lot better week than me so i've got some work to do that's for sure yeah i was i was kicking rocks at this point a week ago as my pitching was just absolutely caving on me and you've had that week this week and yeah between then meanwhile mine's turned around you just i mean we got a sprint it's going to be interesting to see i feel better than i did a week ago whenever i was already like this season's over. I'm finishing in 16th place. <laughs> <I> th- <laughs> That's how I felt about a week ago. So it can change. Don't get don't get too high on the highs or too low on the lows right now. We got a sprint to go, and it can it can change quick. I've got to remind myself that after some bad couple days. Yeah, yeah, it definitely can change quick. Yeah. So we'll be back soon. We'll come up with something else. I've been sitting here thinking about a couple ideas for some 
upcoming shows. I'm not going to do like last time and mention it here because I'm not as certain, but we'll we'll have some more content for you here in the next couple weeks as we're talking about the stretch run and maybe a couple little thoughts about you know some players and what are you know maybe a you know what would be a good idea after saying that I'm going to go on and give an idea and it goes off of something we talked about earlier this year the players we've changed our minds on and I remember you saying that that was a hard episode for you at the time because it was still so early and you said it's easier for you to do an episode like that in August or September maybe that'd be a fun one to do again yeah, yeah, we could do something like that. Maybe that'll be maybe that'll be an idea. I don't know if that's what we're gonna do. I've got a couple idea, other ideas that have popped in my head. That one was one of them, and it just kind of came out just now. But until next time, we'll be back soon. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 